You're listening to Haunted Hour, real ghost stories from real people. She could actually see see things and that freaked her out. The minute I turned off the light, she screamed. She was like, oh! The following night, the same thing happened. The music continued playing. And then I felt hair like uh, sweeping my left cheek up and down. It's the podcast that is listened to in nine countries. I need you to know that I'm so thankful and grateful to have you as a listener because there's so many other things that you can do within your time, right? Uh, whether the podcast, this app, whether it's 20 minutes or 30 minutes, there's so many other things you can do, but you've chosen to tap the play button and that means a lot to me. Today, we're talking about Thompson Road. It's the place that I grew up. My mum's house is at Casherina Road, and that's the place I was born. So I was born at, actually no, I was born at Topayo Hospital, and then I was brought home, and I've been living there for for a long time. I moved out after I got married. So what I was living there for maybe what thirty nine years or so, and my mum's house, yep, is at Casherina Road, and within walking distance from the house is this place called the Devil's Bend. So the Devil's Bend is a road, uh, it's a winding road, and right towards the end it's where Upper Pierce Reservoir is, okay? And the very first Singapore Grand Prix was held along this road in 1961, and there's been many accidents since then along this road, and majority of them resulted in deaths. I remember this very clearly. There was a Prata place that was just opposite my house, it was located near a park, I can't remember what the Prata place is called, but I was sitting there one night. I think it was maybe close to midnight or just after midnight, and my Prata just arrived at the table. And prior to that, right, there was this group of youths, maybe in their early twenties. They were they were there as well at this Prata joint, and I remember them saying that they're gonna go drive through the Devil's Bend, and two cars left and the rest stayed behind. So these two cars drive off. Maybe about half an hour later, the other car comes back and this guy comes out from the car and he's very frantic and he tells his, the other group of friends that one of the cars got into an accident. And so the owner of the, the Prata shop, you know, he knows these guys as well and he gets on his bike, goes there and I, I'm not sure what's happening, right? And I finish up my Prata and I leave. The next day, I see this in the news where this group of youths were involved in a fatal accident. If I'm not wrong, right? If I'm not wrong, two of them passed away. So what happens is that they lost control of the car because they were going so damn fast. And the car went out of control. It hit into a metal barricade. It flew through it. And it went down this, this slope. And yeah, two youths, I think one or two of them were in polytechnic. So that... that road itself there's been so many accidents there used to be a bus that would go through this road and that's this is when i was in primary school and i used to hear stories that the bus drivers would never ever stop at any of the bus stops at night because they would see a whole lot of stuff like an old lady with no eyes you know like it's a ghost that would stop the bus they would be driving through this road with no passengers and when the bus driver looks into the rear view mirror he sees a few passengers 
just sitting at random seats. Alright, that's just one of the many stories I've heard about the Devil's Bend. And then, there's also other stories that I have. There's one about the lady in red that I used to hear so many times. And I used to drink at this coffee shop. And some of you may know this, this, uh this restaurant right it's called Ban Leong right Waho Seafood so I used to be one of those people that would be drinking at the back of the coffee shop and so I hear all these stories all the time about this lady in red and I I never bothered about it so this one particular night after my drinks I decided to walk home from the back so this is where the main road is and for some reason I thought about this lady in red Right, and then so I'm walking down the road. It was really quiet. I think it was about three o'clock in the morning, and I kept thinking about this lady in red. And then out of nowhere, something grabbed hold of my ankle. Something grabbed hold of my ankle, and it pulled. And then I freaked out, so I ran. Right, what else would I do? I didn't know whether it was a dog, or it was a person. It's a ghost, and I ran, and I ran all the way down, and I passed by the first uh, gas station which was um, mobile back then or maybe it was so I just ran past it I ran past the hawker center and I ran past the SBC station and then I ended up at the 7-eleven and a couple of friends you know back then you could drink past 10 30 p.m. it's not like what it is now and I get there and I'm panting I'm perspiring and and they say I'm looking pale and I said dude you have no idea what happened just now and I looked down at my ankle and there was these four marks, right? So it looked like fingernails, uh, fingernail scratches uh, across my ankle, and there was a bit of blood as well. And I said, "Fuck, you know, this happened to me," and blah blah blah. So yeah, that was my encounter with the lady in red. And then I had my events company. This was maybe 2004, if I'm yeah, 2004. I had it at Thompson Hills, so it was a really nice office. I had my, my, my own space and then we had um, the staff area on the outside, we had a pantry. So it was a really big office. I would allow my staff to stay overnight, right? I was that kind of boss. I said, you know what guys, if you don't want to go home, it's okay. We got a fridge here, we got a food. Um, I, I, can, I can get for your food, you know. I think I was a really good boss and I'll dare any of them to say otherwise. So yeah, the staff used to stay overnight and, and then they started seeing this this entity in the office. I remember one of my staff, um, it's a Muslim boy, he came to me one morning and he said, you know what, I, I, I'm scared to stay here anymore. And I was like, why? He said, I've seen this ghost in your office and it was just staring at me and she had a tudong and uh, he, he described it in detail. I can't really remember, but yeah, he described it in detail and then um, uh, other staff started telling me stories. I and personally, I never seen her. I've never seen her, but I used to feel a presence. And then I find out that the people that used to be in my office before me, the reason why I got it so cheap was because the owner of the office he hung himself in the the exact cubicle that I used. Right, it was the biggest one. It was like the boss should be here because it, it was really posh, and the guy hung himself in there. Yeah. And that space is still at Thompson Hills. I'm not going to tell you exactly where because somebody else is renting it now and I, I don't want them to freak out or I don't want the, the value to drop at that place. Trust me, there are many other stories about Thompson Road. I don't know why it is so haunted. But my guest today is an old friend of mine and his name is Christian Olsen. 
and he is up next. Hey, bro. Hey, dude. What's up, man? All good. All good here. What about you? Okay, like, you know, just uh, just hanging in there, you know, doing like what everybody else is, uh, just taking it day by day, trying not to throw the kids into the roof and onto the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, have two boys, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I think the hardest part is trying not to piss the wife off. Oh, that one's like eggshells. No, that's okay. Oh, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think I'm yeah, throwing my wife every day. Yeah, I do it every day anyway. But she gets to see me not the, you know, because I'm out at work. But now I'm at home, so non-stop lah. But you know what? She took the vow, right? So gotta deal with it, man. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you? How how are things? Things are alright. I mean, uh, yeah. it's kind of tough now, right? Because I had like, I all imagine. these all these yeah. things going for me, and then suddenly, boom! It's all gone, and then I go like, "What the hell?" Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I wish I'd done certain things differently, but you know, I, I think it's something I can learn from. So yeah, definitely. Right? What, what do you want to do? I mean, you always look back and oh shit, maybe I should have done this, maybe I should have done that. But then the, the the key thing is, you know, you now realize what you should and shouldn't have done. The key thing is once things kind of get back to normal, hopefully or whatever normal is down the line. The the trick is to, well, the hard part is to make sure all these things are sitting now and saying, oh, we should have done. We actually get up and do lah for this. You know what I mean? Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. You know, all the years that I've known you, I think I've known you Mm. for what? At least, at least 20 years. 1996. Yeah, 1996. That's when I first met you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is the first time we're talking over the phone. Is it really? Yeah. No, for sure. For real? Why does that weird, man? I feel like I've heard your voice so many times before. I don't know why. (laughs) No, man. Yeah, I think this is the first time. Yeah, because when you were when you were messaging me on Facebook, I said, like, "Why he's fucking just not calling me or texting me or August WhatsApping me?" I said, "What the hell?" And I said, like, "I have his number." What? I said, "No, I don't." And I said, like, "Oh fuck! How is that possible?" That I just texted. I said, hey, "Dude, just just my number." Yeah, Why yeah. You don't have my number. I, like, I, I thought it was so weird. Yeah. I know, right? Strange, man. Okay, Very so strange. because of the circuit mm. breaker, we are having a conversation for the first time in over what since 1996. Yeah, there you go, right? So, yeah, that's a plus point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, let, no, let's last I called you, la. No, you've not. Anyway, no, I yes, don't think so. There was one time. There was one time I was supposed to follow you for for a for a for a for a go for a ghost hunt or something. Then my wife scolded me. You, you fucker, you bring things home. I oh, then I called. You, I say, bro, sorry, I can't come. I remember that. <laughs> no. I remember where I was when I called you. So, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at my office at Duxton. I was at the car park talking, uh, calling you. Cause I couldn't call you in my office. Cause I say right. So I went outside. <laughs> My colleagues over here well, uh, Gonna scold you for my wife uh, Yes, yes, yes well, Yeah, so how, how do you, how does this work, man? Do you want me to just get into it or you know, How does it, yeah Yeah, let's start with uh, the experience Okay, it happened, what, in Thompson? Yeah, there are quite a number of uh, Quite a few experiences I don't know I, I've had I've had together with With uh, my best friend Who's now in Melbourne, Mark um, uh, just, And they just happened to be, I mean, they happen to also just be around the Thompson area, like from Mount Pleasant to Novena, down to where I used to stay at Tan Tong Ming Towers, that red and white building along Thompson Road in the Police oh, yeah. Academy. Oh, yeah, I, I know yeah, this building. Yeah. yeah, it's quite iconic. Everyone knows that building. And then um, down to where when I was living at Suchow, I was sitting at Suchow Way, so the park I used to hang out there at night. Uh, there's nonsense there as well. And then Thompson View, when I moved across the road, 
uh, yeah, my that one, my my uh, my dad saw something, so it's good. And well, we saw stuff as well. It's a lot of weird shit, lah. Yeah, but it's strange, right, mm. Thompson? Because you would think that Thompson didn't go, doesn't have a lot of dark history. Um. That's what you would think, lah. You know, because people said, "Oh, Bishan, the MRT station, all got ghosts or cemeteries and whatnot." But when you think of it, right, Singapore is really small, and I doubt anywhere there is really anywhere that is well, you know, doesn't have some sort of history or something happening in the area before. So you know, it's it's hard, lah, especially since it's such a small country as well. So sure, almost every place is kind of dirty, you know. Yeah, that's like, true. I've seen stuff that I never expected to see, um, like. At cantonment close, for instance, when I was when I, when I was living there, like yeah, ten, fifteen years ago, as well. So it's just weird. Okay, let's start so, yeah. with the the worst encounter you've had, the one that shook you up and and changed the way you you see the paranormal. Um, it would probably have been uh the, the first time that um uh. One of one of my friends, this this girl we knew. Um, well, what happened was, she, I I used to have a, not a Ouija board, but what what was called a spirit uh, a spirit board, um, okay. and it was this blue thing. And what it would do was, I bought it at Times the Bookshop of all places back in the day. It was like sixteen or twenty bucks or something like that. And I picked it up, and what it was was it was just this thing where you would. It wasn't like a Ouija board, all the letters crossed, but there were different markings and a and a. And uh, I guess you know that centerpiece you hold that moves around. But whenever you, it was uh, a white spirit board, which means whenever you went and used it, you would chant a certain prayer of sorts to basically uh, call in white entities and white presences. Uh, I was gonna say white power, nah lah. <laughs> white presences, <laughs> yeah, white power. You know, but white presences and things like that. Um, and I used to try it out, and I played, uh, used it with uh, my friend Mark a lot, and we never had any issues. And then one day, this group of girls we knew, all, we all grew up together, they borrowed it, and um, they went to my friend's house, and she stayed next, right next to Novena Church, and um, uh, the little studio apartments there. And uh, we got a call, I went to Mark's place in the afternoon, he was living at, just next to United Square, and we were gonna take the bus down to go into, into town. and. Uh, at that time, it was we were, there were no phones, right? so it was all pages. So his pager was just going off the hook, uh, and just be like, "Oh, I better check. I think." And then you, you, you paid someone and leave your code behind, right? And so this, uh, our friend kept lefting, uh, kept lefting, kept leaving her, her code like some call nine nine and all that. So I was like, "You know what? Screw this. Just go to town, lah. You know what time is it now already?" Uh, and he's like, "You know, it, it's it's three o'clock, so we're still early. So let's call and see what's up." So we. Uh, we walked from the bus stop back to the this hotel, Royal Hotel or something, just behind. He had on a payphone and uh, they're all like crying on the phone. Can you come over? Can you come over? Something's not right. So that's when we like, oh shit, okay. So we decked it and it was hot as hell that day. It was just mid-afternoon. And you know, last time in the 90s, everybody wore, I don't know why, we all wore double double, double t-shirts and like jackets, you know? I still do, yes, man. You know, yeah, yeah, because we all thought, you know, we're in the middle of, middle of Compton or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we decked it, we legged it over to, to this girl's house and hers was on the second floor, it was a walk-up. And it was really hot, but the moment we walked up, we turned the stair to walk up the staircase past Novena Church, right? Yeah. We turned up, it just got dead cold. And uh, so we went up the staircase and her door was there, we knocked on the door and her, I remember her Sacred Heart picture was a bit crooked. I don't know whether I was just saying it to begin with, but it just added to the whole atmosphere. And we went and they opened the door and the whole bunch of them were all panicky and some of them were crying and all that and so we're like what the hell so we went into 
uh, we went into the house and uh, they said there was something they were playing with the board and something was there and it just wouldn't go away so we're like okay and the f- well I guess the crap thing was you're supposed to say whatever the chant was at that time right it wasn't but um, what they did was if I'm not wrong I remember clearly they were playing a song by, by Bone Thugs and Harmony called Mr. Ouija hmm. and if you listen to it I, my Bone Thugs is one of my favourite bands ever um, and even now when I'm listening to music while I'm having a shower and my playlist is on shuffle and that song comes on I get out wet and I switch the song straight away just mm. you know one of those things um, right, right. and uh, they had this playing while they were doing while they were doing what they needed to do uh, to, to play this board and when Mark and I sat down and put our fingers on the uh, what would you call it that thing that, that, that little uh, I don't know the one that moves around the board I forgot what it's called but we put our hand there's a name for it but we put our hand on it and before we could even start like oh what's going the thing just started bloody moving around the board right mm. and Mark's okay me are you, are you fucking around are you moving this thing I'm like no I'm not he's like because I'm not either and it keeps going and going he's like uh, and, we, and Mark's like okay and then we say uh, you know we question who are you and it goes and spells S-A-T-A-N over and over again we're like yeah keep saying that and they say what do you want with our friend and then it spells uh, murder and rape murder and over and over again non-stop um, and uh, again you know we would ask who are you again and he would still keep spelling Satan and, and that was when uh, the first time I noticed Mark just kind of like step back and be like this is bullshit you know what I mean He's yeah. young, we're like 17, 18 at the time. He's like, this is bullshit. And he starts challenging this thing. He's not intimidated at all. And he's like, there is no way that uh, Satan would waste his time on one person and, you know, do what he needs to do and say what you are saying. So whoever you claim you are, you are not. You're probably one, some little lost, useless little soul that's just trying to, you know, uh, I guess, make a mark for himself. And then I remember seeing that and... Um, when I saw that in Mark, it also made me realize, yeah, you know, this, this is nonsense. And then there was something other. So your question was, and I digressed a lot, but what was what the first reaction was that really affected me? Um, the thing that affected me the most was, in a good way, was growing up. You hear ghost stories, you see story, you see movies. You're scared shitless. Your grandparents will tell you stuff. You no, know, you better don't. You better not hide in the dark corners or the black man, the oily man will kind of put shit in your chicken shit in your mouth. You know, you hear shit like this. Uh, so you're always very scared. Um, but the first time I actually encountered something properly, uh, I was not scared at all. I was very, uh, I was very steadfast in my Catholic faith also, which was strange, you know, because you know, you just you not know, say we go to church all the time or what. But yeah. it was just, it was just like that. So we we sat there and we challenged this thing, and then he we would tell him no, we would, we would dismiss him to go away. I mean, you go get lost, you would go to a goodbye kind of a tab on the on the board. Uh, but then every time we were going to move your hand, our hand away, it would start moving again, just like just to fuck around with us, you know. And our hands would go round and round the freaking board. It was just weird. Um, so in the end, it was it was just going on like, like that a lot. Murder, death, rape, murder, death, rape, uh, and then going H ha 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 ha. Like, it was just very weird. Um, and the end, we just said, you know what the hell with this, and uh, we moved the center, the, the that little. I can't remember what it's called, but that thing, we moved it to the center and we took our hands off and we closed the, the board up and uh, we told the girls just to calm down. And I remember that at the side of the board, uh, on each of the four sides, there were little tea, tea candles 
and um, they were burnt out, obviously. But when you remove the tea candles, they had charred under the mattress. Mm. And I remember Mark stuck his hand into the that little charred part, and they, the mattress had been burnt out in the middle. So it was a bit weird. Yeah. Don't know how why that happened. So that was one of the things. So then we took the board, and uh, I think we brought it to. I can't remember where we brought it, but I know we ended up burning it and getting rid of it. Um, which I found out very recently from a friend, or rather a cousin-in-law, as they would call it in the states. That uh, that's actually not the way you're supposed to uh, to dispose of it. But oh well. And it was strange because she brought it. She's she's a bit of a. Uh, uh, a psychic as well so and we didn't know this but she was talking to me she's she just like did you have some encounter before i was like when she met she she and she described it to me i was like yes i, I did and she doesn't know me we've not met in person before i said i had a ouija board she's like wait hang on she said it's not a ouija board it's a it's more of a spirit board it's, it was blue i was like holy crap I said, yeah wow. yeah dude it was a uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, oh, it, it was. I just said Ouija because it was easy, right? Yeah. She said, no, it wasn't a Ouija board. It was different. It was it was a spirit board. It was it was blue. I was like, shit. Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. So she's telling me about the experience and all that. Um, yeah. So yeah, that would be the the first the, the first one that really got to me. Yeah. And then subsequent times, whenever I came across stuff or something, it, um, I noticed that I could watch a, a scary movie, right? I remember the freaking uh, uh, exorcism of Abney Rose. I had to tell my wife or my girlfriend that I had to sit outside the bathroom while I bathed the door. But I said, you stay here, don't move, okay? Don't step bad. <laughs> but when I, but, yeah, yeah. And I was really my, my, my mid-20s at this point, you know? But yeah. whenever I saw something or I counted something or I see something, which I still do from time to time, it doesn't bug me. I mean, I don't like, oh, God, I, I'm, I'm very steady. I know what to do. Which is very weird. So that that's what I've uh, yeah that that's one of the that's the key the key takeaway I have have has always been when when something happens or something comes along, uh, it doesn't I don't get oh shit you know what I mean yeah mm. yeah I get you man it's strange lah but yeah. Yeah, you were so saying that, that your be... your cousin-in-law said that that wasn't the way to dispose the board because you burnt it. So what's the correct way to do it then? You see, I knew you were going to ask this, that question. I will try to remember what the hell she told me to do. And for the life of me, right right now, I cannot. I think I was supposed to get it. You were supposed to go and get it blessed. And then just leave it or bury it. It's one of... It's getting it blessed and leaving it or bury it. Or ending up burying it. One of those things. Right. But I know you had to get it blessed. But burning it uh, doesn't really solve any problems. And what she told me was that... Um, that incident, it was not Satan, obviously, but it was some demonic form. And mm. I said, why is that? Is it a, some demonic creature when it's right next to the church? And she says that the church and the surrounding area around it is the most, uh, sometimes are the most, like, heaviest places because people go there with so many problems and because they need problems, they need help, whatever, and, there's, and, their, and their souls are already so sorrowful and in need of help, you know? And they're the easiest to prey on, and these entities hang around there, which is exactly. damn strange. But also makes sense. I was like, "Holy shit!" Okay, exactly. So yeah, yeah, like yeah. all these places of worship. So you talk about temples, the mosques, uh, uh, churches, right? There are always yeah. a lot of entities on the outside. So if you have the third eye, you just see like, like there's so many because basically they're they're preying on those that when they go in and you know their prayers unanswered they don't believe in God that's one and two is that they're praying they, they just feed on all that negative energy that people bring along correct because it's correct it's people going because they're broken and you know they're really some of them are really really rock bottom and they just need they just need help you know so and obviously you know some of them turn back to God for the first time in ages and I guess that's 
hi, it's just one of those things, lah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so it made sense when she told me that. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, what other experiences do you have in Thompson? Uh, you you mentioned Mount Pleasant. Okay, Mount Pleasant was freaky because uh, I had a friend, um, and uh, this was in 2003, and uh, uh, we he we time was the MSN Messenger days, right? I just finished, I just graduated from UD. I had no job, uh, and I was just looking for for work. And it's like two o'clock in the morning. We were both up. We were talking to the MSN. How are you? Blah blah blah. And I was like, hey, let's go. Uh, tomorrow, what? Let's go ghost hunting, like. He said, what do you mean ghost hunting? I said, just take your car, pick me up, we go and drive around, like, You know. Just, those spooky places and shit like that. He said like Changi Hospital. I said no, no, no not Changi Hospital. We're not that. No, I don't. Wanna, I'm not that brave. I, we just go to stupid dark, dark places. Okay, okay, Ken. So we we just made a, a night of it. You know, he picks me up. We go to the Shell Station. It's so weird. We buy drinks and kacang and all that, right? <laughs> and cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's stupid. And then we start driving around. So we drive around Bukit Brown. Uh, we drive around. I don't know where we were to so long ago. We drive around Tempani. We drove really far, right? Uh, we then we say okay, let's try Changi. We went to Changi, then we say you know what, hey, let's not let's not play a fool too much, like. Just, and then so it, it ended up being a, a, just a catch up and talk talk session with two fellas, right? But on the way back uh, to go to go, uh, we went. I don't know why we ended up passing the police academy area, and I said, hey, let's cut through Mount Pleasant. Mm-hmm. I said, I heard this place, them, I heard it's damn dirty. So, yeah, yeah, I also right, but we're joking and laughing. And then we we drove through. He's driving slowly because there's no need to rush, anyways. And this is the middle of the night, probably about two, between two to four a.m. maybe. And we're driving, and we were talking, right? And I remember seeing this road that we were coming. Up. I remember passing Jimkana or something like that, and we passed it. And then there was this other dirt road. It was not cemented. It was just like a dirt lane, but it was lit up by very, you know, those 1950s kind of lamps. Yeah. Yeah, it was lit up by those lamps, and it was just straight going down. Right, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" I saw that path, that road, and as much as I wanted the ghost hunt and say, "Hey, let's go check it out," right? I was like, "Hey, I got no balls, like you know, forget it." So I kept quiet, and then we ended up driving out. And when we drove out, right, we turned left and you come out Mount Pleasant onto Thompson Road where the the florist saw Yeah. And then we were driving again, and he was like, "Hey, dude," I was like, "Yeah." He said, "Did you uh, did you see that that one fucked up looking road?" No? I was like, yeah, yeah, I did, man. He said, why you didn't say anything? I said, well, lah, I don't want to go in there. Like, them scary looking, lah, right? He said, yeah, I look, them spooky, right? I said, yeah, I know. all the lamps, like those 1950s uh, freaking road lamps. So we're like, yeah, yeah. He said, hey, screw this, lah. We just drive one more time, make a run and go and check it out. I said, okay. So we did that, right? Of course, now all scared looking at all the place, right? Dude, we went back three times, uh, okay? Three rounds. We did not come across that road anymore. What? It was not there. Yeah, I swear to God. It was not there. Three times. Oh, this is bizarre. Drove back. Yeah, so I was like, wow, you know. So when he finally dropped me home, I had a cigarette with him. We were talking. He like, okay lah, take care, dude. Yeah, we never did this shit again lah. But I was just thinking, you know, if what what that was or what if we were gone towards it or something, you know. And until today, even when I drive through Mount Pleasant or what, right, or my wife drives through, or if I'm sitting in a car, or whatever. Uh, I've still not seen that road. I I almost always keep an eye out for it, but I never see it. So yeah, that was that was freaky also. Yeah, I think maybe it was a so, portal yeah. that opened up just for y'all at that time, you know, and then if you missed it, then... Yeah, but... I don't know, man, about portals or that, but if I go and said, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, seriously, it's... it's. I mean, you know, you tell people things like that, and uh, they're all like, huh, you sure? I mean, it, it sounds as, you know, bizarre and as outworldly as anyone else would say, oh, you drinking, Christian, at the time? I said, no, I wasn't drinking because we were in the car, you know what I mean? Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just strange, you know? Um, uh, yeah. I believe you. 
Oh, awesome! But look, yeah, the people I do, uh, the people I do speak to, and when I tell them, they all like, oh shit, you know. But yeah, and then the the one that I got, I actually got a bit afraid of was um, when I was staying at Con- Cantonment. Uh, so along Cantonment, where the Malaysian railway station is, right? Um, they used to have all these like stalls outside where you can go to Makan and all that at night. So I stayed right opposite the road, so you can literally walk across the road and throw a stone and hit the hit the hit your uncle on the head. That's how close I stayed to it. <laughs> so my friend Joe used to come back from from uh, from uni on holidays from London. So we'd catch up, we'd hang out there till three, four in the morning or whatever. So we're sitting down and all that, and he parked in the multi-story car park. Um, and uh, funny enough, you know, I I still go back to the area all the time because I work around there. My parents all live there. And we're walking back, and I pass my block. What I'm like, listen, dude, I'll follow you up to your car, and then you drive me back to my block, like, you know, lazy, lazy fucker that I am. He's like, okay. So we come out on the third floor where he, the visitor's car park is, right? Uh, in the HDB car park. So he's the only one who follows HDB visitor car park routes, like this guy. So we come out, and when we're walking to his car, it's, let's say, towards the further end of the car park, and there's, uh, there's this lorry that's parked face first and behind at the back of the lorry it's uh, like sand you know like sand in the playground that kind of that kind of sand inside there and I remember walking towards it because we had to get to his car which was three cars away three cars four cars away from it and I looked up and I saw this uh, this I don't know how to describe it but it was a, uh, it was just like a, I had to describe it it was like a shape with a very very sharp eyes and it had this huge mouth with literally like the really big fangs, you know, that's how it looked like. And I saw it and I put my head down. Uh, and I remember I had a cigarette in my hand. And uh, I looked up again and it was still there and it was looking at us, right? And I was yeah. like, okay, this is just, you know, when you see, see think you see something iconic, I look, it's not there. So I was like, this, that's just what, exactly what's happening. And I looked up again and it was still there and it was looking at me, right? I was like, what lun? So I put my head down again. And I said, you cannot put your head down. You know what I mean? You can't show that you're scared. So yeah. I took another drag on my phone and I looked, looked up, but not at it, but I looked straight ahead, right? And just walked as if nothing was happening. And I kept talking to Joe. And I could still see at the corner of my eye as I walked past it. And I flicked my figure straight away because I was smoking his car. We went to his car, we drove down. And as we were driving down, I said, hey, Joe. He said, yeah. Uh, and we're still very close to my son's god- godfather now. Uh, it's been yesterday. I said, hey, dude, uh, follow me upstairs for a while. He said, huh? Why? I want to go home already. I said, follow me, nah, dude. <laughs> he said, no, nah, get out. I'm late. I said, fuck you, nah, Joe. Just follow me. Nah. Then he knows I can see stuff, right? He's like, hey, what's the matter? I said, he just follow me. I'm not feeling so well. He said, oh, okay, okay. So he parks his car, right? We go up the lift and I don't say a single word to him. We get to my gate, right? I open my gate. I go into my house. He doesn't come in, right? I close the gate. I lock it, right? I said, and I'm holding the door in front of me. I turn and look at it. I said, okay, dude. Thanks, I'm feeling better. You can go home now. He's like, "What?" I say, "Yeah, yeah okay, bye." I close the door, right? Because <laughs> now I'm safe, what? Yeah. <laughs> I go into my room, right? He calls. He goes into. I think he had a. Uh, he had a. Uh, he, either he had a cell phone or he went home and called me a friend. But he called my room phone because you know at the time when you asked us you got your own room phone, right? <laughs> he calls my room phone, right? My then he's like, you know, he said, "You son of a bitch, what happened?" I said, like, "No, man, dude." I told him the story. He's like. You fucker, you made me fall in water in the sink cream and waited for me in the car. I said, like, yeah, but at least I'm safe, right? He's like, that's not the point. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, it was every man for himself, lah. But I love him to death. <laughs> I was him, that's why I made it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he's uh, the godfather to your to your boys. That's why, yeah, that's why Levi's god, godfather. I would you. I said, okay, okay, here, here you go. Here's the, here's the payment back. 
But yeah, man, that, that one was that one was scary because I I never seen anything like that before. The stuff I seen before had always been human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was a scary looking human or just a regular person, um, yeah, it was. That's fine. But this was the first and only time I'd seen like something that was just like had no shape or form and just looked evil. You know? So yeah, I've seen other things before uh, in a in human form, uh, looking evil as well. You know? But they looked like they were just minding their own business, and I just happened to catch them for a second. You know? In my eyes, in my in my line of sight or something. They yeah. weren't looking at me and trying to harm me or anything. It happened to be like hanging out on the lamppost looking somewhere else, you know? And I just saw it. So, yeah. But this one was just straight looking at me. Yeah. So, when's the last time you saw something? Uh, the last time I saw something, well, lucky I figured you asked me that, was uh, probably a yearish ago. Um, I was at the Republic Yacht Club. Okay. Uh, the one at West Coast Road, the yeah. Yeah, Republic Yacht Club. Oh, it's the uh, my Inchek Army used to say Yacht Club. Yacht Club. So the Yacht Club, Yacht Club. Yeah. So the Republic Yacht Club with a uh, I went went on my friend's boat with my children and all that, and I brought my youngest Levi to the bathroom, and um, I think I was waiting for him to take a poop, and there was nobody around, and then I turned so the cubicle door was open, I was waiting for him to take put on his pants and everything. And I turned to my right and I saw there was another cubicle facing me, the door was open as well. And I saw somebody just squatting there and uh, not looking at me, but just not taking a shit as well, but just squatting there and just hanging around. And it didn't, it, it looked, uh, it was humanish also. I saw it for a couple of seconds. Uh, it just looked very, uh, very decayed and um, uh, like it was disin- like disintegrated, you know, some of it was just not there anymore. I yeah. saw that and then I was like, oh, okay. But uh, I don't know whether it knew I could see it or anything like that. But I saw it. I looked back at Levi again. I looked back and it was still there. So I, that's when I know when I, okay, you know, I didn't see the corner of my eye. I always look back again. Um, and I look, when I look back, I always, I don't just turn my head. I turn my, my head and my two shoulders to face. So yes. my whole upper body always turns. It's a habit I'm, I've, I've had because my grandmother told me something. I can't remember. But that's pretty much what I do. And it's still there. Uh, so I looked at it. I'm looking at it the second time. I was like, okay. Uh, I just turn back to Levi. I say, hey, dude. Um, you know, it's time to wipe your ass. We gotta go. <laughs> and then we, and then we, and then I brought him out. Wash, you know, must make sure he washes his hand or that. Because the mom finds out he doesn't wash his hand, right? I'm scared, more scared of the mom than I, I'm scared of some strange entity in the corner there. Because, yeah, so wash his hands and uh, that was out we go. And I brought him out, lah. The yeah, the first I can remember seeing was when I was staying in Tantoming Towers, and we were moving out. I must have been maybe ten, and I was in the bathroom. And again, I had just taken a dump and I was going to wash my ass. And I don't know, I've always said all these things. But um, the silver, I remember picking up the, the shower head and it was silver, right? And I saw um, this Bai fellow, this guy with a turban just standing in the bathroom. And I was like, wow. How do I? And I was like, what? The? You know? And I was, yeah. And I looked again and it was still there. He had a big, thick beard and everything, right? I was like, it was a thick black beard. We were just standing there and watching and looking. So I was like, okay, I need to. There's nothing left in the house anymore because we were moving that day, so everything was being taken out. I was t- taking my last dump, you know, so to speak, and uh, I can't walk out with a, you know, wash my ass. I had to freaking walk lunch. Just get on with it, lah, right? And yeah, so that was the first time. So that was that was a bit weird, but it didn't scare me again. I just like, okay, I just had to get on with this, right? So yeah. Uh, was he dressed all in white? I cannot remember. I only remember seeing his face, and he had a maroon turban. Maroon colored turban, hmm, dark skin, and a very thick black beard. But he was not young. He must have been 
well, I want to say middle age lah. But then I was going to say 40s. I'm also in my 40s now, right? I don't want to say middle age. So he must have been in his 40s or 50s. <laughs> yeah, please don't. God, that sucks. Yeah, it's horrible to say that. But yeah, so that was uh, that was the first earliest time I can remember seeing something. So yeah. You're always going so, to Sentosa, so I'm surprised that like, you don't see a lot of stuff there because Sentosa has got a really dark history, right? From the Japanese that was there and they, they, they yeah. plant uh, um, heads on spikes. So you've never seen anything yeah, like that? So I'm always at Sentosa, but I'm there in the afternoons and evenings and I'm there with my family as well because we paddleboard every other day. Um, I have not seen anything... Uh, and I don't think I'll get the chance to or, or the opportunity to as well because I don't stay there till late at night and I go don't go to secluded places. It's always crowded, you know what I mean? So the chances of you seeing things like that also are very low. But I remember being uh, back when I was 17 and I was at Sunset Bay. At yeah. the time we would go, right? Sunset, go Bay. Sunset Bay. And, yeah. I, I want so to say I this. So beach. Yeah. Um, my, my mother-in-law, uh, she used to own Sunset Bay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she she owned Sunset Bay with uh, her two brothers Paul and Gary. Okay. Hmm. I, I just thought I'd throw this fun fact out since you used to go there. Oh, oh. no, no, I only went there like a couple of times because you know we were seventeen. Then we I'll tell my mom and dad, oh, I'm going to stay at Mark's house, and Mark will tell my his parents, oh, I'm going to stay at Christian's house. We will go stay stay at Sentosa and get Mabo, right? Yeah. So this is thing teenagers do. So I remember being on that beach at God knows what time, but people had left, and just a whole bunch of us. Uh, of me and my friends just hanging out there and I remember sitting down watching the water and just seeing um, a lot of figures just moving around and uh, I had the same I saw the same thing on Top Newton and Marty Station a, a, a while later as well but you just see these things moving around and then they looked like it was coming out of the coming out of the water and I was just like what is this and then I remember again I felt this um, this hand just plop onto my my shoulder very my left shoulder very hard and I look up and it's Mark he's like we gotta go I was like yeah I think so and then he just grabbed me and we walked and we, we split her but mm. that was that was weird as well just these black figures just you know waving with the with the water so you're not sure if the waves or the water but then you see once it reaches the shore you can literally see the the, the hands kind of moving as well yeah wow. so that was the that's the only time I saw at Sentosa um, the other Beach beach area wise, it's only that, and the other time I was in Batam and Nongsa, so some weird shit there. But yeah, mm. yeah, there's a lot. But you of said you saw the same thing yes. at Newton. Newton, okay, so Newton was weird because we are, uh, again, young again. We are on top Newton MRT station, so we are on top the the building lah, right? And behind the building where where the ministry environment is now. Um, yeah. There are other buildings in front, but it just to be used to be opposite Monks Hill and Newton. It used to be this open green area of uh, of uh, open green field, and it used to have all these trees in, uh, inside it, but not tall trees. They're all just like very mediumish, right? And we were there, and we were uh, at that time we were with a couple of a few friends, Mark and I, and a few few other fellas, and we were playing around. Uh, we were playing this game with this flame, where if you help put a candle in the middle, and you put your two one guy put one hand on the left. One guy flanked the other candle on the right. You could concentrate on the candle and manipulate it to burn the other person. Oh wow! And what kind of game yeah, is this? And it, it, I it was uh, I don't know. We were just interested in this kind of stuff back then, all this metaphysical stuff. Uh, so we we did that, and then um, there was this guy who was there with us as well. I don't go into names, lah. But uh, he was getting the, all the finger, all the hair on his on his fingers were getting singed off, and he was getting fed up. And then I don't know what he did, but he moved back to the, went back to one corner, smoked the cigarette, and came back, and 
started burning the hell out of everybody. So like, what the hell? And then he, he, when he said, okay, enough, I don't play anymore, he sat in the corner. And I went up to him and I asked him, I said, listen, can you give me my, my smokes? And he looked up at me and I just looked into his eyes and his pupils were just black and dilated. And it looked like he was just not looking at me, but like just staring to the depths of my soul, right? I was like, what the hell? And then I looked behind him and then Mark was with me as well. And I just saw these in the trees, right? What looked like very small little impish figures in black just jumping from tree to tree, like a whole bunch of them, you know, just going around and around and jumping from tree to tree. To tree. And um, one of my other friends who we always known, uh, the Chinese guy we know, old friend, he always can always could see stuff, and, but he never told anybody whenever he saw stuff and he was just walked up to us, he's like, hey, let's go, guys, this is not good, this is not good. And uh, I was like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? He's like, uh, doesn't matter what I'm seeing, I think we need to go. You know, so that was a that was another another one that needed now. So that friend of yours, um, the one with the mm. uh, the one that seemed so, okay, so what he, yeah yeah. So what he said was, uh, when we brought him away, right? That he started crying and breaking down, and he said, uh, you know, I'm sick and tired of getting burnt uh, by one of these other guys. And I went to the corner, I spoke, and I said, you know what? Whatever's out there, just freaking help me and uh, show show me show this guy who's uh, that, you know, I I can take him on. And then he went back and he said, I started burning there and I just felt very weak and very, I couldn't breathe. I felt like vomiting all that, you know? I felt oh like something God. was inside me and I was like, wow, okay. But uh, yeah, that was the only time that, but I mean, I think I'm doing after that, like, as far as I know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can go, I can go on a lot more, like, but you know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, bore too many people and, no, man, it, it's yeah. not boring. I think all of them are so unique, you know, from the spirit board to your, uh, yeah. this, this road that you saw at Mount Pleasant. Yeah. And then uh, I have to I have to I have to tell you this this one story okay then okay. I'm gonna shut up. All right. And you know that everybody will say that this hunt there's all kinds of like there's Pontiana there's hantu tete this and that mm-hmm. hantu I hope you can take whatever form you want her to la. But um, there's a uh, hantu gala right? Have you heard of hantu gala? Yeah, the really tall ghost, tall fellow with long legs right? So when I was in Batam with my cousin Eunice and her dad used to. Um, used to uh, work at Nong Sabay Marina. He was the dog master there, so I would yeah. follow them. That's uh, how I first met him. Uh, his name is Francis, right? Yes, yes, Uncle Franz. We call him Uncle Franz, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, we'd go there, and she'd go visit him, and I'd go and tag along, because again, I just finished uni, I was looking for a job, so I'd go and follow. And we were sitting on a boat drinking one night, and I remember looking back into Nong Sa, or they were drinking, I stopped drinking at that point. And, um, we were, they were all talking with their friends and all that and uh, I could see the, the marina itself right because I was on far away on the docks and I thought the shadows were playing tricks on me but from my right side I had seen these two really long uh, and black uh, shadows or look like really long legs right um, walking along a path so the legs go up so let's say it's like an east coast park pathway like, you know um, when you go to the east coast it's lit and there's a cement path and you follow along the side and I just see these two really long, so I think it's oh, some shadow of the, of the lamppost or something, but it keeps moving and it's, and it beca- and it's upright, you know? Mm-hmm. And it moves and it's literally like left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, and it's just like that. And then there's probably one of the, the hotel staff walking along the road, and I was like, oh, what's going to happen here, right? And but it just walks past him. Um, the shadow of this, this leg goes across him. He doesn't, this guy's oblivious to it, he just keeps on walking. Uh, past it and it just keeps on walking it stops you can see the legs move and shuffle for a while like as if it's turning around or moving where they're looking around or something and it stops still 
and then it continues walking and then after on the left hand side of Nongsa at that time uh, Nongsa Marina it would then be uh, a side jungle track to go to Turi Beach Resort so it's now coming towards a jungle area and then it just like disappeared into that you see the legs just like whoosh, into that and then I never saw it again but I was just looking at it and I was like what the hell and I knew I was not imagining it because everybody else was drinking tequila and I wasn't because I hate tequila so I was just looking and like oh god and um one of the guys who owns the boat who lives there, uh, he comes up to me and I didn't know he was next to me the whole time, right? And he's like, oh, you saw that? Huh? I was like, yeah. He's like, mm, there's a lot of that, that shit here. I was mm. like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah. He said, just be, be careful. Like, you know, as long as you are, he said, as long as you're not dirty-minded and you don't, and you respect and all that, right, you'll be okay. Because this is my first night. I was like, what the hell? I got two more, three more nights here, right? And so in that weird two, three nights I spent in Batam, uh, there was quite a few things I had seen. Even the, you know, I'd seen a lady wake me up in my uncle's, uh, uh, well, his quarters as well, asking me whether she want. Uh, I wanted uh, the the laundry I put on the at the on the floor uh, to be cleaned up. I looked at her, I said, no, it's okay, it's okay. So when I spoke, went on to see him in the, and I saw him in the morning, I said, oh, it's very nice. The lady comes and just walks to the room and cleans stuff. He said, there's no lady that comes to the room and cleans stuff. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, what? He said, no, you talk about that, you do all your own stuff, okay? I said, okay, got it. I thought, I was like, you know, service staff coming to clean my shit up. So, yeah. Yeah. Great trip. Batam, Batam, <laughs> Batam is so haunted, man. You know, yeah. I went on this trip with uh, my wife. So, I remember, like, we, I think we were about a year into the relationship. And then I was supposed okay. to start production with Ghost Watch. So, I told my wife, you know, I think it'd be nice if we go to Batam, we chill out for like three or four days, you know, and then I come back energized and I can start the production. So, we yeah. were there and we were out uh, at Turi Beach on you know they have this long jetty yeah yeah of course yeah and then there's a bar there so we're drinking and then when the sun went down I said okay you know let's go have dinner somewhere and then we were walking back and then I just turned to her and said this place has got a lot of ghosts and then she was like you just what? It out of the blue yeah I said no this place oh. has got a lot of ghosts and then we yeah. went out we had dinner and then when we came back I was just feeling so tired for for some reason, man. You know, the moment I got in back into the room, I was so tired. I just passed out. And then okay. my wife, she couldn't sleep at night. Uh, she kept hearing stuff in the room, like she knew that we weren't alone. She couldn't wake me up. And then she oh she, shit yeah she had a fever. Uh, the next day when I woke mm. up, you know, she was really sick. And then she told me what happened and all. I said okay, not cool. And uh, we were supposed to I think this was, that happened on the last night And we were supposed to head back to Singapore But with a high fever and all I said, you know what Let me let me go check with Nongsa I mean, they are the same same owners, right? But Yes, correct Yeah, I went over to Nongsa And then I checked with them They said they have a room They'll give it to me at a certain price So I got my wife We checked out We went to Nongsa The moment we checked in She was fine mm. Yeah, the fever went away Yeah, so it's just really weird But I, I know that Bata, man so many of the resorts yeah. and, and a lot of the, the owners practice uh, they, they use black magic against each other oh crap okay yeah that's what I was told like so this owner of this resort doesn't want that other resort to get business so they, they send like uh, shit over yeah okay wow yeah I, I'm uh, I've, I've heard a lot of stuff of just people who do that as well yeah um, yeah that's not very good man mm-hmm. yeah because um yeah, because uh, even um, when my uncle, uh, Uncle Franz was there, and he was at his friend's house, 
this guy used to be the dive master at the the Nongsa or the the Sea Sports Center there, and he was supposed to drive back or drive. He usually drives back to the to Nongsa, but he cycled there. Supposed to hang out for a while, but end up drinking late at night, right? So this guy tells him, "Hey, France, you just stay over. Don't don't cycle back." He's like, "No, I'm fine." He said, no, you shouldn't go. You should, shouldn't cycle back. Said, I think the story was he said, no, I'm fine. And then he just leaves the cycles. And then 10 minutes later, he's, he's back at the guy's house. He's like, no, man. Uh, yeah, the cycle back is, it was a bad idea. There are too many things. Uh, he was just being disturbed all the way back. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. He said, screw this. I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, spend the night at yours. Thanks so much for yeah, sharing your encounters, bro. Yeah, it was uh, my pleasure. Uh, whenever, whenever, just, just give me a shout. Happy to catch up and... Yeah. A lot more, a lot more uh, stuff whenever. I mean, since you know, since we've gotten on our first phone call in Yonks, exactly. We try and actually meet up and do something once all this is over. Uh, do you want to give a shout out to your company? Let everybody know what you do. Oh, okay. Uh, I am. I run a social media agency. Um, I founded it about we're about five years old now, four or five years old now. We're called Type A, and uh, we're a social media content marketing agency, and we do marketing and strategy and brand. Uh, brand identity and whatnot uh, for brands on social media. So whether it's government entities like MINDEF, uh, CPF, we worked with before, or MND or MSF, uh, we also do work for local brands. Um, and like, uh, and we even do work for other other brands like uh, LG and uh, WWE in Southeast Asia. So it's pretty cool. So nice. yeah, that's what I do. Awesome man! Yeah. Awesome stuff. <laughs> Okay. Yes. Okay, we'll catch cool. up Thanks soon. Thanks for having me, man. You're welcome. Yes. Pleasure's all mine. Okay, take care. We'll catch up soon. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. See ya. Bye. It was so nice during that interview with Chris. Brought back so many memories, man. And it's so nice to be able to talk to him again. I've got some questions to answer. The first one is from Syed Kasmari. His question is, do you have any regrets while ghost hunting? Not that many, but I regret being bashful in the beginning because I wanted to appear gung-ho and I didn't respect the land that I've been on too many times. And, you know, I remember doing the one at the cemetery. What is that place called? Yes, Kubo Kasim, right? The Kubo Kasim Cemetery. And I was bashful and I, I said a lot of mean things because... You know, I was trying to get the first, you know, the first app because we, we did tapings at a few different locations and none of them were enough to be the premiere episode. So I did whatever I could at Kubo Kasim and I was really mean. I said a lot of stupid things and and then I got choked and we had that on camera. I, I It felt like I was being choked by something. And then for almost a year after that, my luck was so bad, you know, nothing nothing worked for me and I ended up being so um, depressed because you know everything was just just haywire so yeah I regretted you know doing all the things I used to do then now I'm a lot more respectful uh, I I don't say mean stuff because you know what because that's just not cool right I don't know whether this would count as regret but I wish that I didn't name my group goes for Singapore. I wish that it was something else because it would be easier to market, you know, especially when you want to get uh, fans and you want to get viewers from other parts of the world. But, you know, GFS has been very fortunate that we have got such an amazing fan base. We have reached over 40. 
30 countries you know it amazes me to this day and i'm humbled by the fact that we've reached countries like south africa to iraq to denmark madagascar you know how did something so simple right just myself and a camcorder with a vision to put singapore on the map right there's a lot of things that i can't do but what i could do really well was to produce a paranormal show and that's what i did and the intention you know i kid you not and i told my wife this when when i met her for the first time and i tell a lot of people this that the one intention that i had while producing the show was to put my country on the map it's something that i take a lot of pride in and I, if the government if uh, the various agencies can't see that then you know so be it but i know what my intentions are so yeah maybe you know when i came up with the name ghost files singapore at that point in time i felt it was very important to have my country's name there so whoever that would watch any of the stuff i produced or directed or, or start in they would say oh singapore where's this and then they will find out and then every everything we did always had history in it you know i would make sure that the viewer gets educated that the viewer when they watch they go like home oh, hmm i didn't know this about singapore yeah so do i have any regrets i i don't know whether i regret the name but i do know that my intention was good next one is from serene teo and she asked is there any other way to contribute funds um, I think you are talking about the Go Get Funding campaign that I have. Well, I don't know. For now, <laughs> that's the only way that I know that you can contribute. I think that's the best way as well that is transparent. Everybody gets to see the amount. Uh, the amount is now, what, I think $300, the last I checked. So uh, it's my time now to plug all those people that have been contributing. Thank you. You have no idea how much it helps especially now you know when things are just upside down so it really helps so is there any other way to contribute funds no that's the only way and uh and i think that's the best way last question here from tio wei liang i hope i got your name right what protection do you use when you are looking for ghosts i don't look for ghosts now anymore uh, but when i did now here's the thing a lot of people get surprised when you hear this I didn't because my thought process is why would you carry around an amulet or any other sacred or religious object when you want to draw the entity towards you because when you carry around something like that it will just repel them they will stay far away and my intention was always to get them to come as close as possible you speak to them you show them that you're not there to harm them to threaten them and then you slowly get them to come towards you and the closer they get the the better it is for the viewer and then we encourage them i always encourage them to either touch me or to touch anybody else that's on my show so i would tell my guests as well that come on the show if you have an amulet please leave it in your car please leave it in your bag do not bring it on set because there there isn't a purpose to it you carry stuff like that around it's in order to protect you 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 would want these things to stay away from you so why bring it on a paranormal investigation it just doesn't make sense to me now 
I don't have protection as well. I mean, I do have this sacred shell that was given to me by my good friend Edmund. But other than that, I don't. You know, I have got an altar at home. I'm a Hindu. I got Lord Ganesha in my house. You know, I light the lamp every day. But yeah, that's about it. I, I don't believe too much in, in amulets, to be honest. But if it does work for you, then by all means, you know, continue using your amulets. Continue doing whatever works for you. Because at the end of the day, we all need to find something that works for us, right? That's all the questions I have for this app. Thank you so much for listening. If you do have a question that you would like me to answer on my podcast, reach out to me on my personal Instagram account or drop me a message on the Ghost Files Singapore Facebook page. Whatever works for you will work for me. My name is Noel Boyd and I'm signing off.